What's up, everybody? On this episode of The Boss's Key Party, we headed up to Lebanon, New Hampshire to visit the new Marker Debella Vocal U.S. headquarters. We went up to check out the new MDV lineup for next season and have a conversation with Iverdahl, the national sales manager at MDV. Now, before getting into the convo, I just want to say that their new showroom space is really well done. Very conducive to getting retailers to spend money, so much so that we may steal a couple of ideas for ourselves. Now, onto the pod with Iver. To say Iver's life has been entrenched in skiing would be an understatement. He grew up laying trenches on the gnarly faces of Cannon Mountain, became a two-time All-American ski racer at UNH, and eventually would make skiing his livelihood, going through various positions that led him to running the sales show at Marker Dabella Vocal. In our discussion, we hear a bit about the Iver origin story, some of the exciting stuff they have going on at MDV, including some impressive sustainability initiatives that they are taking into production across all three brands. We discuss the current state of the ski buying market and the pendulum swing of consumer demands that Vocal has had to make some adjustments to keep up with. Ivor and TSM go way back, so it was really pretty dope to chop it up with Ivor about his past at Technica Blizzard and his present role at MDV. Enjoy the show. Holler. Is what it is, man. It is what it is, man. It is what it is, man. It is what it is, man. It's cheap, too. The So we are at Marco Vogel Dabello at their U.S. headquarters, headquarters in Leb, New Hampshire. And it's it's my first time here. Um, Same. Same as I think all of us, right? Uh, It's very well done. Thank you. It looks really cool. And we're sitting today with our good friend, Iverdahl. What's up, dude? Doing great. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> First podcast for Iver. Um, so before we kind of get into like what's going on now, obviously, with MDV and your current role, like, you know, you and I go, go way back. So I know you um, from like just when I was a, a young pup in this in the ski business and uh Berkowitz has known you for a long time too, but let's let's at least kind of get into kind of how you kind of got doing this from way back when, and you know how you kind of transitioned from going to UNH ski racing into the business side of things. Well, I remember the one of the first times we got to hang out. I think was at your house on Southie mm. with Dan Mitchell, and that was yeah. I was I was gonna bring up bring that yeah, up. No, so, so before we talk about that, <laughs> so th- that night actually, because I I wanted to ask you this because George and I tell this story. <laughs> Giorgio was DJing at the time, and that's how yep. we, he went down to DJ a, a moon boot party. That's what it was, because Dan Mitchell and I were selling Technica and right. moon boot at the time, and Dan, you guys were really close, so he was able to pull George in to spin, spin some records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, and that was at um, that, that old massive store, which is no longer there, um, and it was just straight up moon boots, it, and Giorgio was DJing. We went out to dinner and had beers with somebody from Technica after that event who I don't remember who his name was. And I wanted to ask you if you could remember who it was. Who was that? Uh, because he told us a really cool story. Uh, he, told, he, told, he told a few cool, cool stories, but one that sticks out in particular was about the Solomon SBK boot. And because the SBK boot, we, somehow it got brought up and, and he's like, yeah, I, I was one of the lead you know, product designer." product managers of the time when we came up with that boot and we all were like, there's no way, like this is the biggest piece of shit <laughs> that, that like that we've ever made. Tom Barry. Tom, Tom, maybe, I think yeah, it Tom, been Tom, Barry. Tom. Yeah. And he's telling us his story and he's, he's now, cause he's now he's at Technica and we're like, we didn't believe the amount of units and SPKs that, that we would, that we would sell. And we all internally knew that it was just like this absolute, yeah. there's like bucket, let's chase this like park free, you know, kind of, kind of steez motion that was happening at the time. And he was just completely like, there. he was like, dude, it's Solomon. We were shocked. We all knew that it was crap and it, it was like, just, we couldn't, we couldn't make enough of them, but it was really cool to hear that. Cause I was like validating. You're like, yes. I'm like, that boot, that boot's awful. Yeah. <laughs> like how are people buying that boot? So anyways, all right, Tom Barry. Perfect. I'm yeah. glad we, we can put a pretty, name. I'm pretty sure that's who it was. Cause all he right. was, we'll fact check. Yeah. Okay. We'll do a little fact check. We'll fact check it. So not to cut you off. So yes, you, you, you and Mitchell crashed on my at the time girlfriend now my wife's couches in Southie that night I think so I yep remember waking up a little bit hurting more hurting than yeah. it started in the day <laughs> yeah <Yep>. exactly <laughs> which was good thank you for that no it was great those those couches actually were were our those couches made around the rounds man we had those we got those in college 
And then it went to our apartment um, after college. They were like one of my old roommates, like family's couches. And then they've made their way to Southie <laughs> to Jillian's apartment. So they were in like three or four different <laughs> yeah. apartments before, you know, I, I don't know what happened to him. When we finally moved out of that Southie apartment, we left him there. So RIP. Someone's enjoying so, him. Someone's enjoying someone's him. Someone's enjoying him. So much DNA. But that was, but that's when you were, a lot of DNA probably. <laughs> but that's when you were, were with, with Tech Blizz with Mitchell. But yep. you were, you were, selling other skis before that all happened, right? Yep. I mean, so you mentioned coming out of college. Yeah. So coming out of college, my wife and I, or my girlfriend at the time, uh, Janice and I moved out to Park City. She actually got a job coaching at Romark Academy, and I followed her out and got hooked up with Park City uh, ski team. Okay. Spent two years coaching there, like, you know, Cannon Mountain boy, New England, New Hampshire boy, getting a full taste of uh, out west and the powder and just the – awesomeness of park city so it was really easy to kind of hang there and have a good time um but we also used to host at those at that resort we used to host world cups and we used to also host u.s nationals and i remember in the spring we were hosting u.s nationals and dan mckenna who ran the promotions department for technica and a new fledgling brand vocal that was coming in uh, moving up distribution to new hampshire Asked if I was interested in supporting their retail sales in New England. Okay. And uh, talked to Janice, came back, and my first job was working with Andrew Shaw and Scott Heald in New England as their tech grunty and uh, basically learning learn the tricks of the trade. And that's where it all kind of started in the quote-unquote ski industry nice. outside of ski racing. Okay. But then, because it was technically vocal at that time, right? It was. Okay. Yep. And that, that didn't last probably too, too long while you were, how many, because it, it was split not, not too long after that, right? Eric, you're a good guy because you're, uh, you're not dating me too much, but I'm dated. I was trying to lay you up. I was trying to lay you up. I know the dates. Uh, I know the dates. <laughs> it was a solid 10 years, I think, when uh, Technica and Vocal were, were clued in together. As a, as a team, and those were some really formative years for not only the brands, but for a lot of us in the industry. A lot of cool people, a lot of mentors from that time that I still lean on and rely on. Um, but with that, we were able to build Vocal at the time into, you know, what it is now. Mm -hmm. uh, an old sales manager by the name of Mike Noonan, every time we'd go to sales meetings, be like, hey, you know, an, another another successful run up and run yeah. in and sell in. So it's just been really fun watching the brand grow. Yeah, and at, at that time too. I mean, do you maybe maybe contribute the fact that Vocal had a, a boot partner through those years to its massive growth in in North America with the boots or the skis or for both? Because at the time when it was together, right? I mean, I guess my question I should rephrase it. It's like because you had it was Technica and Vocal together yeah. for those those years. I mean, that's a pretty formidable, you know, kind of team. Um, and they, one kind of plays off the other. I mean, so like to bring vocal to where it is now, I mean, those years with Technica had to have something to do with that. I think they both played off each other. Yeah. Like, I don't think Technica was a brand that may have been the first brand to roll off somebody's tongue. Mm -hmm. But as we worked together and some of the tactics we employed to uh, get the brands out in the public more and become more visible. Right. Uh, really dovetailed into the growth for for both brands. Yeah, um, both separate independent brands, but marketed uh, together and sold together. Yeah, so. yep. yeah. Because I I remember because I when I I first started, they were you know Marker, excuse me, Vocal and and Technica were together and they were partnered, and that's how it was kind of pitched to us early on in our career. Like these kind of brands go together. It's our same same kind of sales representatives that represent both of these, and you know then when the split happened. No, that was my first like kind of real taste and like yeah. how how it all gets separated, yeah. you know, because like all the people that you you know who are selling certain brands, you know, then of, of course if ownership changes or distribution or however it goes, you know, everyone starts to kind of scatter and change positions, and it was it was kind of cool for me to see that at such a you know early on in, in my career in the ski business because not shortly after that, like you know, Technica goes one way, Vocal goes the other way, and now new people are selling it and then everyone's kind of like figuring out where they, where they fall. Um, and then when that happened, what happened, what happened with you? So I'll give you a little history too. Sure. From coming back East, working for uh, the new England as tech rep, 
Uh, that was a great experience. Got to meet a lot of the, the retailers in the area, which was super important for as things move on. Yeah. Um, was fortunate enough to fall into a position that revolved around race service. So took over the race service for New England as well as the country as just the point person. Uh, that morphed into, and these are all like two-year cycles, yeah. that morphed into working with Brico, which was okay. a brand that John Stoller brought into the Technica and Vocal Foray. Um, worked as the product manager, a little bit of sales and marketing as well, which was pretty cool. Again, it's always fun challenging yourself in new ways and finding new opportunities and just different ways to having fun. Mm -hmm. So that was really, that was a good time with, with Brico. Kind of the wheels were starting to come off a little bit and an opportunity came up to be a sales rep. And that opportunity took place with Lang Deanstar. Right. So, you know, got a bunch of really good mentors in, in the field. John Stoller, um, Andrew Shaw, Scott Heald. Uh, another one would be Bill Levins. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Uh, for me, totally. Uh, someone would really lie. He, he actually just stopped by the other day. He did? Yeah, full, in sandals. It was like 25 <laughs> yeah. degrees. On, on his way to yeah, some Yeah, yeah. It's like dropping off. Drop some <laughs> swag off and, yeah, and he ran. He like threw some t-shirts at me. <laughs> yeah. And, and like put a case of beer on the table. He's like, I'll see, I'll see you boys I'm around. I'm Park. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going kite surfing right now. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he actually just stopped. Shout out to Bill Levins. It's just, just saw him. <laughs> So when you were at Dinosaur, was that was Dennis Gaspari there at that Dennis point Gaspari as well? Dennis Gaspari was there. Yep. Chris Licata was okay. there. Um, Ed Green from Colorado. Yep. Just a bunch of really cool people. Um, and I enjoyed my time at Lang Star, but it only lasted a year and a half. When the opportunity, when Marker came on board, back on board with Technica and Vocal, uh, that created an opportunity to work with Andrew Shaw and Scott Heald again. So kind of jumped at that, kind of come back to the roots yeah. a little bit. Um, just felt like a really good decision, and that's when it was truly MDV mm -hmm. at that time. Um, no, M MTV. No. MTV. M yeah. Yeah. TVM. Yeah, Technica, Vocal, mm -hmm. and Marker. Marker, you're right. And that was, that was something that was really – all those brands seemed to, like, resonate with each other, and they seemed to make sense with each other. Um, and then, you know, as – Things always do. There were there were changes in the plans, and that's when Technica and Vocal split. Uh, Marker and Vocal stayed together, and Technica morphed into kind of what it is today with Technica and Blizzard. Mm -hmm. And that's when you took over Technica and Blizzard for New England. Correct. I think that was in late March, early April. The decision was made that the that the sales force needed to separate in different ways mm -hmm. the marketing teams the distribution warehouses the offices uh kind of a scary thing because you come in from you know three really strong brands to right. one strong brand being technica and the other one being blizzard just was a, a different philosophy different mentality but you know another opportunity yeah as the years progressed and the direction of that brand took off it was kind of fun well, yeah, I, I was gonna, I was gonna segue into that because I mean, when you took over for for when you when, when you took that role essentially, and then Technical Blizzard kind of became one. I, I remember you know being working a retail floor, you know, selling Blizzard skis, and you know we were selling like Cross Maxes and like CMX tens, like CMX elevens, like you know, and they had their IQ system, and like that was like the thing. And and you know, I at the time we had worked for an uh, the uh, some that owned the store was a. Uh, an Austrian guy, so they were big Blizzard people. Yep. So that's what we had to sell. And not saying the skis were 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 bad by any means, but they definitely weren't, you know, something that someone was coming in and asking for. So as someone like yourself have a really strong brand in Boots and Technica, now you're taking over Blizzard, trying to grow that brand in New England with you know with some of those models that I just said had to be somewhat of a challenge at first until the really you know things started to shift. Yeah, and I think that's one of the benefits of having grown up in the region yeah. uh, as not only a racer, which don't have a lot of contact with, with retailers, but right. the first year back um, as a tech rep, being able to develop relationships with people, with retailers, just with the community, uh, really helped pivot the, the Blizzard brand. I think the Blizzard brand prior to that had a really good rep in the territory, had done a great job, but had 
was really focused on a different outlook than when the Technica group took it over. They wanted to change that the, the mantra right. of the night through. I see what he did there. Okay, yeah, exactly. Um, and really working with Europe and some of the key salespeople in the country, Blizzard was able to kind of like focus its direction. And that's really, you know, it took, it would, first year or two was tough because we were selling the same products that had been in the pipeline mm -hmm. um, from prior years. But when the, the Flipcore skis came out and the Bonafide and the Black Pearl, we were talking about these skis earlier, um, they were kind of revolutionary and had a different, uh, you know, vision of what skiing was really like. And I think it really hit with a lot of people in terms of what they were looking for out of product. Mm -hmm. um, we were able to really compete at a higher level inside the industry. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember, you know, even back to like the Cronus and the Argos, like in like, you're like those skis, like they're, they're onto something with that, with that kind of shape, with that feel, or just like a, a marketing approach to that ski. Um, and then I remember the first time that the, excuse me, the, like the bull skis, if you will, were introduced to us as just like, again, working at a sales floor. And, you know, it was like our first time you see them. And, and then I think the pitch went at the time, and correct me if I'm wrong yeah. ever, was like the number like two or number two sport like in in yeah. like the world yeah, yeah. is like oh, is like bull riding. Is yeah. bull riding. <laughs> you know, and I remember I remember sitting there like during the meeting being like, who fucking cares? Like this is skiing. Yeah. Like what are you gonna put bulls on these skis and pitch to us that that the bull riding is is like the the sport? Yep. And at the time you're kind of laughing about it. But I I mean I guess if it the product is is incredible, which which it, it was and is, then things will filter themselves out. But I don't know if anybody thought at that time, the no. success no. that those, that that family of skis would have and someone that was selling it. I mean, you rode that wave, man. Like what was that? Yeah. What was that like going from like, you know, CMXs at like, you know, 40 off wholesale in the spring from zero to hero. Yeah. yeah, no, that was that, totally. And that's uh, again, a huge pivot in, in how Blizzard really presented itself. And it's, it, it's not, it wasn't just Blizzard. It was a combined effort from a, a lot of people, and it really started with Arnie Backstrom. Mm -hmm. uh, Arnie Backstrom was on the World Pro Ski Tour, yep. and when you won that, you got a ginormous belt buckle, which had a very consistent ring with bull riding and, yeah. you know, like, the West. Okay. And I think that's how that started to get going. But Arnie came up with the idea of taking a ski and flipping it upside down and, you know, putting the top sheet on the bottom and vice versa. And that was the original bodacious yeah, okay. ski that first came out. So he had a he had months of working on that, and I got to hand it to those guys, um, just as they do with Vocal, because those are the Blizzard and Vocal, the brands that I have the most intimacy with. Uh, those guys listened, and right. they respected Arnie, and they were willing to take that chance or that leap of faith to uh, put a product out in the market that was revolutionary. And that was, that was the start of what was going on. And um, there was a number of models inside that collection, Bodacious, Cochise, Bonafide, Brahma, Black Pearl. Black Pearl was the only quote unquote woman ski in that collection mm -hmm. for the first year. And uh, I remember going to Austria for our winter sales meeting in Caprun and seeing instead of seeing argoses and atlases and you know all this that crazy iq yep. system program um we saw bulls <laughs> you know right which, is, which right. is which bulls. is insane over there which was especially freaking insane and those guys were like what are you doing and i was yeah. like i don't know man <laughs> yeah yeah they're making it gonna work like, is this gonna work he's on powder skis <laughs> is this going to work exactly and um i think it just you know blizzard was able to catch up and then surpass in some of the the feel mm -hmm. of the way the skis skied um i think things have caught up uh in turn from yeah. there but it takes it takes brands it takes ideas it takes leadership to introduce new products and new experiences and at that time that was the new product and the new experience yeah i, yeah. I and the pendulum had it, it kind of swayed blizzard's direction at the right time and and because I, I remember a lot of people now, the Cochise boots are are huge, right? But like the first introduction of that name was that ski, 
And that, and I remember Mitchell, he gave me a pair because it, it made Ski Magazine, I think, that year. I think it was the second year, something like that. It was on the cover of Ski Magazine, yep. and I'm like, that's the ski that I want. Yep. And, I, and I convinced Dan to give him to me, which was great. <laughs> and uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't hard. It's on my budget. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Thanks, Dan. And so, so I, I remember going skiing the yeah. first time, and maybe I was just a little over, overzealous, I guess. But, like, that was a, a monster. Yeah, it was a monster. Of a ski. I think at the 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 whole marketing behind it was like you know this is two sheets and then like the then the coaches and the buddies was like two and a half sheets of metal of tetanol, yeah. and the reason I'm bringing this up because we'll get to it as as this conversation kind of goes but like the pendulum has now swung back totally. yeah right because like that at the time like that's what people wanted or or that's what Blizzard was kind of figuring it out and people were like gravitating towards yeah. that. So you have a wider ski, it's stiff. Wow, I can still bomb at Loon and Killington at Stowe, but it's wide enough for me to, to ski out West. And of course, like everybody wanted those skis. And it's it just so cool to see in just my short time in the ski business going from there and how it, in, incredibly popular and hot the skis were to like, here we are now talking about playfulness, how people want ease of entry and exit of the turn and something that they can kind of take wherever and have more fun on yep. in, a, in a lot easier kind of a day. So it's been a huge kind yeah. of step in another direction over just the last 10 years. Yeah. I don't, I don't think those skis were out there. Right. The approachable, forgiving, comfortable, mm-hmm. you know, quality level skis that right. you're looking for in a free ride ski that are available now. They, they weren't necessarily there then. Yeah. Yep. And, and I think at the time too, um, and feel free to disagree, but like, cause you were there at the sales meeting and they're, they're naming skis. Right. And, and we're going from, I think a time where skiing was a little confused and like, to your point too, Matt, we we're talking about RX nines earlier. Yeah. You know, you, there was like RX six, RX seven, RX eight, RX nine or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And like, that's kind of, or CMXs, and that's kind of how things were named except, you know, where we are now, like vocal was one of the first that kind of had a brand within a brand. Right. Yep. And so I think Blizzard at the time was like, okay, well, if we want to, if we want to kind of compete with, with vocal and get to that level, we need to create something inside of our own brand. And I think with the bull thing, I mean, whoever decided to do that is a genius, but yeah. in hindsight, of course, but they essentially did that because essentially the, the Black Pearl, which is still happening, mm-hmm. the Brahma, which happened a couple of years after the first introduction, but then the Bonafide became total brands on their own. Yeah. 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 Much, much like on the vocal side when it was starting to really transcend you know the super sport five stars mm-hmm. the you know just and then the, the mantra, mantra right when the kendo kenja yeah. it's like it's really cool to be part of brands that have seen those changes and and growth it's it's fun right because yeah. you we were talking earlier about doing color counts when you're on the hill and just yep. checking out what's in the line and when you start seeing you know repeated years or models right. of that you're like okay that the stuff works and it's it's cool that we were able to bring it to the market. Yeah. 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 I mean, and even for a, a women's ski, I mean, because naming is hard. It totally is. Everything's protected. Everything's protected, but, like, you're trying to, like, come up with a name that maybe you can associate, like, being out in the mountain with or, or going fast or having fun. But, like, the Black Pearl doesn't check any of those boxes. And it's been such a mainstay name that now everyone knows it, and it's really, like, stood the test of time. And it's kind of crazy at the time to call a women's ski a blizzard, like a black pearl. It just seems kind of, it's kind of funny. Yeah. Yep. It's kind of funny. Yeah. And few brands have been able to do that. Vocal's been one that, I mean, Mantra's, Mantra's been around for 58 years at this point, right? <laughs> I mean, but it's, uh, you know, yeah. I kid about that, but it's, it's a name that I'm sure you guys have thought about several times. Like, okay, is it time to retire Mantra? But like, well, you guys have asked us that. Yeah. Point yeah. Blank, and it's yeah. Like, yep. Because, because there comes a time when, yeah, something gets long in the tooth, but I think, you know, you guys have been good at maintaining what is so iconic about, mm-hmm. you know, that category that the kendo and the mantra that, um, and those things are hard to, hard to let go of, especially when consumers are walking in and there's recognition still, Correct. you know? Um, so it's tough. To, I mean, we've talked about that with black Pearl as well. Like, okay, when does this thing? And, and Kenja. Yeah. Yeah. And Kenja. Yep. yep. Same kind of idea. Yep. Um, but what's, what's, Let's go back to mantra because when we're talking about the pendulum going back the other way, right? And to your point of the working for a company or people that want to listen, you know, because like the M5, which we've all kind of talked about a bunch, and that ski was great in, in, its, in its own right, but it just wasn't checking a lot of the boxes, in my opinion, of what people were looking to, to get on today. Yep. And now with your new M6, I mean, the, everything has changed. 
the way the ski is completely redesigned and it's really kind of going after what people are looking for. Yeah. Again, it's an evolution, right? And, Mm -hmm. um, when that first mantra came out, everyone that was inside the vocal family, it's, it's a pretty tight family and it's pretty much all old ski racers or not all old. There's some young ski racers out there now Mm -hmm. too. Um, but everyone was excited about having a free ride ski that felt like a race ski that you could roll it up on edge and attack and ski and, you know, charge the mountain. That's a, that's original mantra. And again, filled a niche that really wasn't out there. Right. Yeah. Um, if you wanted something like that, it came in a 63 millimeter waisted ski with a derby flex. On it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. You know? um, but if you wanted that feel for an all mountain free ride ski, that was mantra. By the way, Garrett's like, what is a derby flex? <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> you know what a derby flex is? <laughs> no. <laughs> <clears throat> it was the, it was the, it was the cat's ass at the time. It was good. It was good living. It's not around anymore. <laughs> I think I'm too youthful for that. <laughs> so evolution, right? So we went from that solid, you know, sensor wood core, two sheets of metal, that kind of race ski layup. And everything has a purpose. Um, those skis can be a little tiring if you're not 25, 35 years old and just, you know, like just living and breathing the sport at all days, all hours mm-hmm. of the day. Um, so as we've come to make these skis more approachable yep. and skis that haven't lost the performance characteristics. When you roll it on edge, you still want the thing to hold, right? Yep. You want it to come around. You want it to pop. You want it to get, you want to have that feeling. But if we can make that feeling last longer through the day, right. you're going to enjoy that ski for more time mm-hmm. when you're on the snow. So that's some of the things we've done to improve the mantra, the kendo, the kenja, the secret is taking away some of that metal, strategically positioning it in the right spot where you can still get that edge hold without the burliness of the right. flex, torsionally and longitudinally. Um, we've tried to lighten the weight of the ski that comes organically by taking metal out, but we've added carbon fiber to the, to the tips mm-hmm. to kind of fine tune that rigidity that we're looking for to initiate um, and then probably the most important thing, I'm naming my, the three technologies that we kind of live and die by with Vocal. And the third, which is something you really can't see, is the 3D radius. And the 3D radius took the ski from being locked and loaded to being able to roll it in and roll it out of the turn as needed. So, again, more forgiving and more approachable. Yeah. Um, so th- and that's like... 15, 20 years of mantra right, right there. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it, it is. And what's, what's funny, because I, I I've owned probably like, I don't know, five, six mantras, yeah. you know, like like just different graphic gear, mostly because, you know, I hit up Andy and, you know, try to get him to get, give me one for free. Back when I, back when I didn't have any keep money. Asking, <laughs> I can pay going. for it now, Andy. <laughs> he's, he's looking at me right now for those that are listening. Uh, um, but like, it was like a badge. Of, it was like a badge of honor. Totally. You know, yeah. like we talked about earlier in the meeting. It's like that one of the original ones like had the big, the katana sword. Yep. Like, and the graphic, which in the window to it was like, it was showcasing the Tetanol, you know? And it's like, look right. at how much metal I have in my skis. Yep. And it was awesome because that's what you wanted. You're like, yeah, I, I fucking ski this thing, yeah. dude. Like, and, and you, you wanted to, to say that you were skiing on a mantra. And if you could ski a mantra, like you felt good. You felt yeah. really good. You're part of the club. You're part yeah. of the club. <laughs> when, and, that, and that was a different time. Like you said, I mean, that was when, you know, people wanted or thought they wanted these early skis with yep. two sheets of metal and you know it, and it wasn't just specific to vocal every brand was like okay we're gonna make wider skis here's how we've been making skis that perform like let's just make them wider let's maybe add some rocker but let's keep the yeah. you know sandwich sidewall wood core two sheets of metal and then again i feel like the the pendulum probably every industry but i feel like the ski industry goes so far back and forth you know let's make these super wide skis super stiff and then it goes the opposite way you yeah. know so i think i don't know it's, it's a pretty exciting time right now for totally. for all brands where um we talked about goal post goal posts earlier where yeah. i feel like the meat of the market is finding the the middle of those goal posts you still have people on either end but um there's there's so much good product in the middle there there's a lot of good product and it's uh it's part of our job to keep an eye on our competitors and to again find the next innovation yeah. inside of our 
our technologies or our constructions or our, our shapes of yep. skis to to continue offering the best experience on the hill. Yeah, yeah, and something that you know I, I don't think it's touched upon much at at retail, but um, you know obviously we just had a meeting with you guys. You guys talked a lot about sustainability, so you know sure being innovative as far as materials go and shapes go and stuff like that. But you guys are also doing a lot right now as far as sustainability goes. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. So it's uh, across all three brands. Uh, it's interesting because we really haven't focused on it in the past. So we haven't had the tools to work with in the past. But again, being you know Central European brands, um, there's a lot going on over there. There's a there's a lot of efforts in energy, how yep. they use it, how they, uh, how it's used in our products, and just making sure we're doing what's right for the environment. You know, some people you can talk about sustainability. I think everyone at this table, I'm assuming, would agree that it's important. Yep. But how do you communicate it? Right. Uh, how do you implement it? So on the binding side, we're coming out with you know, bio-based plastics. Yep. On the boot side, we're, we're recycling boots. Not just recycling the boot. Like th we were talking about the big grinder. Yeah. You said you saw a motorcycle yeah, fly yeah. into that. <laughs> <laughs> couple of them. Uh, couple of them. <laughs> but just like the, the simple things, if you've had a chance, to, and I know both of you guys have been to uh, boot, boot factories, you know, the, the little piece of plastic that is like where the injection port is, that leftover piece of plastic that may have used to, go into the trash now is being recycled into right. boots. Yeah. Uh, liners are being compressed and, and separated. So the effort is there. We're starting with the kids' products on the boot side of things because that has the highest turnover. Um, so we're making some pretty good progress there. And on the ski side of things, uh, it, it's not just inside the ski, but it's how we operate our manufacturing. So we're vocal sits on the side of the Danube River in Germany, it's the longest river in the continent. I think the continent. And all of our power is hydroelectric. Yeah. So that was a concerted effort. We used to buy products or energy from coal plants right. or nuclear plants. And we deliberately went and sought out a higher priced energy product, but it's 100% sustainable. And we felt it was important yeah. to do that. And that's something we haven't talked about in the past. But now as it comes up, that direction well yeah i mean you guys were saying that earlier like you guys have been doing these things for years yeah as as a company but like just not i mean hasn't really been discussed at it's, all and it's just so it's so normal over in europe I yeah, mean, just, I, yeah. It, and that's just kind of their way of i mean they're way ahead of us in that respect and it it's so normal to them that it kind of gets brushed aside like oh well we've been doing this for for 30 years for 40 years you know these are factories are run on renewable energy but it, it's tough to, you know, use that as a selling point sometimes yep. to, to a consumer because, you know, they're more concerned on how, how it skis, how it looks. And, you know, sure, I think everybody in the industry is conscious about, you know, hey, we got to do something so we can be skiing as long as possible. Um, but it's, it's nice now that everybody is kind of talking about it. You know, even if it's been done for years and years, I think the effort there is coming to the forefront and it's like okay well we've been doing this for so long but like you said hey how do we how do we use that piece of you know injected plastic that's left over right. you know can we you know you talked about using less cardboard which I, I had no idea you guys have been doing for 10 years yeah you know um yeah that was cool actually yeah. i mean for people that don't know i mean these containers come across the ocean all these skis are in cardboard boxes and they show up at the warehouse and get cut out of the cardboard boxes and get put onto the <laughs> shelf and then when they need to get shipped to the retailer, they get put back, back in, in new their, cardboard yeah, boxes new and get taped up and shipped out again. And then when you buy them online from Ski Monster, they get put back in another, another cardboard yeah. box. It's, it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's insane. So, um, I mean, you can speak to that. I, again, yeah. I had no idea that's something that you guys were doing. Well, again, it's, uh, it's, it's an efficiency, too. I mean, it's nice that we're supporting being more sustainable and using less products, um, but it's also an efficiency standpoint. And when we unload, I think we can fit 40 of these crates inside one container. They're super efficient in how they stack mm -hmm. inside the container yeah. itself. You pull them off, they collapse. You've got 250, 300 pairs of skis that are just sitting there like neatly 
neatly packed and it's so much easier to take them, as you mentioned earlier, you know, out of that container, non-cardboard, onto rolling carts that we use the warehouse. And the first time they're going to see cardboard is when we ship them to you guys. Right. Um, so, yeah. And, 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 that, and that's another, I mean, that's a great point. I've unfortunately been able to unload a lot of containers yeah. at, in my previous life. And usually, Fortunate. <laughs> usually when they come over too, it's about 150 degrees inside there, yeah. you know, and to be able to unload that container in 30 minutes versus four hours, Jeez. again, you're saving on resources. It's an, I think that's an important skill for people. Yeah. No, no, like to, to yeah. have to experience what it's like to unload a container. Yeah. It's not a good time. It's I've done, George and yeah. I have done it. Yep. Like, uh, I mean, at previous jobs, like yeah. you, you have like way more respect yeah. for like the stuff that comes over here yep. to our country and like how it gets here. And then you have to take it off and then repallet it and like wrap it if you're going to wrap it or rack it or, or store it. And you're like, man, like this whole process of getting this, we'll use skiing, for example, getting yeah. this ski to the end consumer is it, it's a journey. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy how many touches yeah. it gets. It's a real journey. It's, yep. it's kind of wild. And another thing, too, because we were talking about this earlier uh, during the present, during guys' presentation, but, like, you touched on it briefly. You just said it. But the whole junior boot being 100%, almost 100% recyclable. Almost 100% recyclable. Is, is, is really an achievement. I mean, yep. <clears throat> just, like, looking at the liner and the, and the story about the plastic, I mean, to me, I mean, I, don't, I didn't know that until today. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, but that's, that's wild. That's a wild thing to hang your hat on. Yeah. And, and that's a lot of boots. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's awesome. Like you mentioned, I mean, starting with those products that, I mean, I have two little kids and they, they literally need new ski boots every single year. Yep. I mean, luckily we've got enough friends with kids that we can hand them off to. Right. True. But I mean, yep. you think about that, it's literally, there's a certain amount of years where they, like, it's, it's only good for one season, yep. you know? Um, so I think that's a, that's a good place to, to start with that and, you know, looking at it, you would never know that the boot is made almost out of 100% recycled materials. I mean, it looks great. I, I think the key is, you know, we all care about the environment. We all care about sustainability. But as you pointed out earlier, you know, it still has to perform, right? right. So if you can have a product that has that story behind it, it's not just a story. It's a feeling. It's, a, it's, it's an emotion. It's a, it's a task that we're, that we're targeting. But if you can make that product as good if not better and you can tell the story along with it then right. it's a home run and it's kind of like with the the new blaze 114 that it's kind of a secret now that'll be coming out in the future mm -hmm. you know it's using recycled pet plastics and sustainable fsc woods mm -hmm. and you know if you guys it's your job this coming winter to to ski with us or ski on your own and ski on that product mm -hmm. and if you can come back and say hey that thing skis great. It's just what I was looking for. That's rewarding on our end because yeah. we're implementing some of the initiatives that we have. And if we can do that in a, in a sustainable, productive way, um, then you can feel even better about right. the product you're riding. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I wasn't sure if I was allowed to talk about it or not, but you said it. <clears throat> so can you go, 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 <laughs> a little, go, a little, <laughs> go a little further about that? Cause you, you just mentioned it in like really scientific terms quickly, but yeah. just like break it down. Like the new construction of that 114 so compared to, yeah, yeah, just yeah. go ahead. So the new construction on, on our blaze family has a lot of sustainability attributes to mm -hmm. it. Um, it's one of the only skis that has a true wood core tip to tail a lot of the times tips will tails will be cut off and just thrown with you know petroleum-based plastics for dampening or mm -hmm. you know yep. just to complete the the curvature but all the blaze skis from the ones that are currently on the wall to the ones that will be produced in the future have that tip to tail wood core construction yeah. which is again performance based but also plays into the sustainability program yep. Yep. and then the new core construction is we're calling it green core again it's not out right now but it's coming in the future and that green core construction is going to utilize recycled pet you know it's your mountain dew it's your coca-cola bottles mm -hmm. that are recycled awesome. and you know replacing a petroleum-based iso core yep. so we found a way to get the same if not better performance using a recycled product to you know, put in place with our sustainable wood pro products, all, mm -hmm. you know, forestry, FSC certified constructions or wood products to, to produce a ski that I was lucky enough to ski on the other day out in Utah and, you know, a foot and a half of fresh snow. Mm -hmm. 
It works. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> it works. Nice. Yeah, and, and that's, that's a big part of the battle that I think people don't necessarily understand from the manufacturing side, that it's, it's not from a lack of effort for trying to be, yeah. you know, more sustainable. But like you said, I mean, Vocal's known for, for quality, yep. you know, um, and people expect a certain amount of quality and performance out of a vocal product. Um, so to come up with certain ways to be, to be more sustainable without, you know, giving up, you know, putting a product on the market that you guys are proud about yep. is, is difficult. So that's really cool to know that that, that new stuff coming out is, uh, you know, got the stamp of approval. Yeah, and I think you'll see that technology, as we spoke about earlier, kind of bleed into the rest Trickle of the Trickle its way through. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And for, you know, the, the vocal blaze, I will say, because we are, again, we keep referencing the comment. We should have just recorded the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it I... Don't sleep on the vocal blades, essentially what we're trying to say. Because yep. we, you know, the Kendo and the Mantra, you know, that the, the Taylor Tietnall story, the TI skis that they call here at MTV, you know, those have a long hair, like they're, they're legacy names, yep. you know, and they've been changed over the years to hopefully hit the target demographic looking for those skis in the moment. But the vocal blaze is is an awesome ski and it's it's probably one of the easiest skiing vocals ever. If I, if I, even if I'm wrong, say it, no, but 100%, I, I feel it. like they, they are. Yeah. Um, and I think it was, maybe it was the first year the blazes came out or maybe the second year. I can't remember. Anyways. So we were at, we were in Aspen yeah. and we were going to get a shot and we were yeah. on skis all day. It was during, it was during a, uh, it was during free skier. Yeah. And <clears throat> it was like bluebird day, overnight snow. It was like perfect photo conditions. And I happened to be on a blaze one Oh six. Yep. Just to get the photo and we're skiing around you don't know you get a photo, really. I mean, he might, Matt might know, but, like, until the end of the day, we kind of go through them. And I was probably on 10 different skis that day. And, like, by far, all the photos that I got <laughs> of me looking at, like, I actually know how to ski yeah. were on a Blaze 106. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, that yellow, the yellow top yep. sheet, which I thought was hideous, sorry. And yeah. I was just like, I'm on this yellow. <laughs> That's why we changed the colors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, the, these are the best photos I think I've ever gotten. Yeah, they were and, good photos. And uh, so, again, that's a testament to me not being that great a skier because I only got good photos off like three turns, but this, the vocal blaze is, it, it's so fun. And it, the whole collection just skis insanely easy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and, and not a knock to you guys, but I think when it came to market, it was more people thought that it was a touring ski. No, that you, that's a total yeah, knock. You know. that we position it that way and we missed the mark. Um, the, the marker sales rep in Colorado, a guy by the name of Bill Bird was like, Ivor, you got it all wrong, dude. You got it all wrong. You know, not all wrong, right? Because you can use those skis for, yeah, for touring yeah. if, you, if yeah. you choose. But they're really awesome all-mountain skis. And he's right. like, again, referencing Bill Bird, he's like, you, you got to grasp onto this concept. You guys just made an easier skiing vocal. Right. <laughs> it's still yeah. a vocal That's ski. That's huge. But it's much easier to ski. People are going to enjoy it longer through the day. Yeah. They're going to have fun. On, they're going to have more fun on the hill. You've got that great Tietnall family to, to get you that performance. Yeah. But now you have, you haven't had this before. Now you have a product that resonates with the masses and right. it's easier to ski. Right. And, and it still has vocal DNA in it. You still know, it, you guys didn't abandon that just because you took metal out of it, you know? So I think, you know, Eric, Eric makes a good point. I mean, we've always liked those skis. We just, we were, the positioning of it just felt a little off, but now I think, you know, what you guys have here now and, you know, we're seeing more and more people using it as an all-mountain ski. And, and like you said, they're, they're skiing bell to bell and not getting beat up on it. Because that's what it is. Yeah. It, it, really, it really truly is. And, and we're looking at the new collection right now, and the graphics are absolute fire. I mean, you guys crushed it. With the binding com color combinations, I mean, it's, it's pretty rad. Well, one thing I, I want to go back to before I forget is that you make a good point about having the wood all the way through it, right? Yep. And I didn't think about that as from a sustainability standpoint until you just said it, but it's, it's so true. Cause like we had just, you know, been to another fa a ski factory and seeing, you know, certain cores that are like chopped. Right. And then other cores that go all the way through and you're like, huh? Like, but the fact that you make a sustainability kind of like angle to it, it's, 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 in, it's really true. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's so much waste, so much waste. Yep. Well, not only is it so much waste, but like Ivor said, it's usually filled in, filled with, in. Within a, with a petroleum-based product. Yeah. You know? um, so, yeah, and, and maybe a little bit more work on the factory's end to, to make that happen. But, again, it's, it, it's still more sustainable, you know, way of doing it um, and not losing that performance either. 
But it's it's an inter- it's interesting because I remember when we were at the factory, you specifically were like, "Yo, like I was shocked. <laughs> the core doesn't go. I was like, shocked. Wait, yeah, 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 because yeah. 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 um, like the first time you, you see them and they're you, obviously you know, yeah. but they they come in and they're essentially on pallets, depending on how the yep. manufacturer gets their cores, whether they produce them or they order them in or whatever, and they come in a pallet and like there's a pallet of cores and they're cut to said size for each particular ski model. And you're like, huh, okay. All right, that, the, that, that, that makes sense. <laughs> and then you go to another factor or another place that are making cores, and you're like, how come those have all the wood in it, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I sound naive by saying that, but, like, how would you know? You know, like, you wouldn't you, know. You don't. I didn't know it until I visited the factory for the first time, too. You're yeah. like, wow, what's going on? Yeah. It, yeah. It's crazy. And so we see it, in like, in real time, you're like, that, that makes a lot of sense that a certain ski would feel one way versus feeling another way just because where the core kind of fucking uh, falls really yeah. which, which is pretty cool really pretty cool but the blaze I, i'm 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 really impressed with with the blaze and more people should be imp- impressed with it yeah it takes it takes a year or two or three yeah. sometimes yeah. to really get your legs underneath you mm-hmm. specifically to vocal and the blaze family you know we've we've continue we've seen success mm-hmm. um we're happy with the product really happy with the product and we've started add uh shoulders goal posts yeah, goal on posts. Side. yeah i like that i like that yeah. credit to Giorgio who had to take off early today but but that's his analogy yeah. and he, he absolutely nailed it so Giorgio, he did absolutely nailed it. so we've got the, we've ex, we're widening the goal posts making it easier yep. to hit it right down the middle uh another thing i wanted to ask you about too um is because i've been a little curious because vocal is such a proud brand and and the way that they build their their skis obviously when you guys went to them as a group from North America about the M5, and yep. you're like, we need, to, we need to make some changes to this ski, and like, these, these are the reasons why. And, and knowing what that mantra had felt like from M5 all the way to what we talked about with the sword katana on it, like, how did they receive like, such drastic changes, being like, we need to do this to this ski because? Like, what, how, what was that? How did that go? It's... Uh Again, I haven't had the relationships that I currently have for 10, 15 years yep. uh, with Andy Mann, who is the lead product manager for Vocal. <clears throat> but I, again, every, every brand starts changing a little bit. And I think where we were the leader mm-hmm. with the original mantra, fully cambered, mm-hmm. you know, beast, beast type deal. As we evolved, I think some of our competitors may have caught up and maybe um, seen things that they could do better, and they did. Mm-hmm. And once that happens, it really forces the issue. Right. And you can go to Andy, or you can go to Vocal specifically, and the beauty is that, that they listen. It's a, it's a combined effort. It's a mutual respect. I mean, they're the ones making the skis. You know, they, they bleed Vocal you know, out of their bloodstream, like nobody's business. But we're also their largest uh, customer. Mm-hmm. And that helps. That helps. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're also experienced skiers. We got a lot of experience in the industry. And I think once you can have those legitimate conversations with people, looking them in the right. eye, uh, sharing your thoughts, you know, at first they might have the, the, the shield up. But as you break through that shield, it helps everybody. Yeah. So to, to kind of answer that question, you know, it, it wasn't instantaneous. Uh, we go to them with a list of thoughts and ideas mm-hmm. and concerns. Right. Um, but then we also come to them with thoughts and ideas to improve. And it's how they, they mesh the two together yep. to help, you know, work things through. Yeah, and that's a tough conversation sometimes because, I mean, skiing styles are so different in Europe than they are here. So and, pe- and people want different things and you know like many other brands vocals a global brand so it's like okay we gotta we gotta bridge this gap and make sure we have what majority of our consumers want in europe and what people in north america want and and elsewhere so um you know those conversations can sometimes be tough especially when it's you know this legacy name and legacy product where you're like hey let's take this thing that's been a huge success and make it more accessible for more people um can can sometimes feel like well that's not necessarily what what vocal or this ski was yeah. was meant for originally um but again i think that's a, a testament to you guys to to take a hard look at that and be like you know what 
having the mantra be a little bit easier to ski that more people can ski on, not a bad thing. You, you still have that precision and that power, but you know what? We just opened it up for more people to be able to ski on it. Yeah, you know, we can take credit here in the U.S., being a sales manager, being a product manager, but those ideas don't all come to us organically. They come to us from you guys. Yep. You know, they come to us from people that are on the hill. They come to us with you guys sharing what you see in the market yep. and how and we really appreciate it. You're giving us information, I think, deliberately to help steer the direction of our brand into what your customers are looking for. Yep. And uh, we value that input and it's how we can translate that back to Andy at Vocal mm -hmm. that gives us some of the best products on the market. Yep. So. Yep. And those changes have definitely been well received, you know, and they've obviously worked because now you guys kind of trickle it into the rest because it was just the M6 initially, right? That, 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 that change the, cha the, the overall construction change, the tailored teat and all the, yep. the, the tailored carbon uh, tip. And now it's, it's in Kendo, it's in Secret and Mantra One Hundred Two, Mantra One Hundred Two, Kenja Secret One Hundred Two. Mm -hmm. So the whole line now yep. basically like took what was changed from that original new M Six and and just kind of like stretched across the whole family. Yep, yep. which is great. Well, Iver, this has been dope, dude. Yeah, yeah, Bergwitz. Mm -hmm. You did great today. <laughs> I feel like Garrett did great. Garrett, Garrett figured, actually, we didn't even tell him what a derby flex was. He still doesn't know. <laughs> no, don't tell him. <laughs> we might have to Google it. I haven't seen one in probably 20 years. Um, you guys have a lot of really cool stuff uh, coming from boots and bindings and skis. So, like, we're, we're stoked. You guys should be stoked because I think a lot of people are going are gonna to dig what's, what's happening. So, yeah. Looking, and, looking forward to testing some of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. especially we, we, those boots. We won't talk about the boots, but yeah, but we need to, we need to ski those boots. Yeah, some really cool, one really cool initiative on the boot side of things that is going to be spectacular. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be really good. And now we have to buy a giant bear for TSM. You just need a giant bear. So yep, sick. Exactly. Or we just take this one. They're oh, done. No, they're, no, done. No, they're done. With I them. want a polar. <laughs> they're done. Yeah, that's I true. think we should get a polar bear. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah this is this is the grizzly switch bear. <laughs> yeah, he has a leg. Yeah, exactly, exactly <laughs> what it is. Yep. The pe what was it? What was it? Power drive. What, what, what were the what were the switch options on the grizzly? Do you remember? Do you anyone here remember? Power, Andy would remember. Power switch. Yeah, yeah, They're not. They're they're not all home runs. They're not all home runs. Well, that seems like a good place to end. Power switch technology. Ivor, thank you very much. This has been great. Thank you guys. Really appreciate the time. Yeah, thanks, Garrett. Nice job. Peace, y'all.